I really like this picture. Um, Caitlin actually made it, or Aaron, some form of the duo. Caitlin, Caitlin's taking all the credit. Caitlin made this. Um, this was a couple months ago. I kind of had this like passing thought, and I just kind of ran it blindly past Beth and, and Caitlin um, at a remnant meeting. And uh, I was like, you know, like I saw the ALF logo, but it's like the tree was on fire. And, and, and Beth, like, you know, a day later or something, had this dream, and it, it just recurrent with this phrase of catch the fire. So that's kind of where this was. Uh, um, the tree's 100% her creation. I, think, I just think it's amazing, so that's why I used it. It has nothing to do with the message. Right? All right. Um, so I'm going to go into um, a little bit of, like, Hebrew school. And Jim, if I'm pacing too much, just yell. He yelled at me and, and told me I'm not allowed to go, like, within three feet of this thing or something. Um, but we're going to go to do, like, a little bit of Hebrew school. God kind of gave me this word. Um, so we're going to go over the word. And then we'll go over the vision that kind of led to this word. Because otherwise the vision has um, no merit and, and makes zero sense um, without a little bit of knowledge of what this word is. Um, so the word is hineni. It's a Hebrew compound word, and I apologize. Those were a lot bigger on my computer screen. Um, but uh, it's a Hebrew compound word. It's made up of two words, the first being hina, which is uh, translated as hear or behold in your Bible. And um, the other part of the root is ani or ani, and it's translated as I. The compound word together um, means, and, and we see it in our Bible with the phrase, here I am. Or we see it with, here I am, send me. Or behold, here I am. Or sometimes just in the New Testament, obviously that's in Greek, so it's a completely different word, same meaning, but we just see behold. Um, there is another um, word that's kind of similar. So we see this phrase, here I am, 178 times in the Bible. And, and, but of those 78 times, only 17 of them are the word hineni. Um, it is not the word hineni. The word hineni is translated as I am here is more of like, a, and then there's actually a, a modern Hebrew word, it's, it's po, and that's more of like an attendance word. That word is like if you're taking rule call in a classroom and you were a better student than I was, you'd say po or hinina. Um, that just means you're, you're there, you're, you're just present. You're there for a cause, um, you're there for an action, like I am po to give this word today. I, I'm just here, just present. Um, hineni, on the other hand, is more of an emotional connection. There's an emotional tie to it. And, and this word kind of is like a total availability. It's a, um, like I'm present, I'm ready for action. Um, it comes with a, you know, we see it in the Bible when somebody gets their name called and they say, yeah, here I am. They, they say hineni. Um, when the prophets are called in the Old Testament, they're saying hineni meaning whatever comes out of God's mouth next, I'm doing it. It's, it's a total surrender. It is, it is putting your heart on the altar in that moment. And, and I'm completely dying to self to do whatever you're asking me to do. Um, a, a good modern-day example would be, you know, Pastor Jeff's in the hospital. And, and there have been a lot of people. I mean, they, 
put it out there that Jeff's like a minor celebrity in Cleveland. And, and they, you know, there are a lot of people that are emotionally available for Jeff right now and, and the entire show can vote family. And, and that's, that's like a Hineni kind of response or like a, you know, Hineni action. Um, so that's the word. Um, it's a weird word. Never seen it before. And, and the way it came about was we were at Men of Valor probably six or eight weeks ago. And at the end of Men of Valor, for those that go, we stand in a circle at the end. And, you know, we just pray. Guys are praying, just pouring their hearts out. Just last week, we had a guy like, look, I am struggling with an addiction. And, and you know, brothers came around him and, and held him up and prayed for him. Um, you know, there, there may just be sickness. You may just be going through a tough time. Um, you know, we just pray for whatever. We have a, a, a list that, uh, you know, Steve Wellman always brings it. it it's the hit list. It, it's guys that have um, come to the church and have fallen away. Or it's guys that, uh, you know, their wives are plugged in in the church, but they're completely disconnected. This group, every Wednesday, prays for, for those individuals, guys to just wake up to the revelation of the love of Jesus Christ. Um, but we're standing there, you know, six or eight weeks ago, just praying, and, and I see, uh, it was kind of like, uh, so I'm a, I'm a surveyor, an engineer, and we draft plans, and I review them, and I stamp them, you know, draft, complete, red lines, whatever, have a rubber stamp, put it on the plans. That way people know what stage of the process I'm in. Well, I saw this rubber stamp hit me in the chest, and, and when it peeled away, I saw a jumble of letters, and I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid. So I pulled my phone out, because it's like, I have no idea what the heck this means. Pull my phone out, and I text Beth the, word, the letters H-I-N-E-N-I. -E -N -I. No idea what the heck this word is. So we just keep on praying, and I'm just like, that's kind of weird. And uh, so I get home, and I'm sitting in my driveway, and I just Google the, the word Hineni. Um, had no idea how to say it at the time, but um, Google the word Hineni, and I come across this article that just explained... Um, what I explained previously, the, the two, you know, roots, the emotional implication and action, and um, I was just, like, blown away, and, and, and over the last, you know, month and a half, just applying this word to my life and the things that we've, we've done and, and gone through, Beth and I, and, and, and the things we've... Uh, you know, taking the kids to the ramp in, in Youngstown and taking our kids to the ramp in um, wherever we were at, Cleveland, Tennessee. Um, we went to the Ark Encounter. Just just seeing everything with this word. Like I, I have a, a new appreciation for Hebrew. Um, it's just such a, a complex language. And, and just the little bits that I've gone into, like this very well is in my opinion anyways right now, and I'll argue with you, and, and you can just bounce it off of Mark, and he can tell you I'm wrong. Um, this is a very important Hebrew word. And uh, so we're going to just unpack a little bit um, of where this happens in Scripture um, as we go through this. But, you know, that vision, saw the stamp, came home, sat in my driveway, kind of Googled it, in, in that article, it, it mentioned towards the end of it, just, you know, the, it, it didn't go into detail. It just said these are the times that it happened in the Bible. It was Abraham. It was Jacob. It was Samuel. It was Moses. It was Ananias. And uh, 
I was just like, whoa, you know, slow down a little bit. That's a lot of reading. And uh, I come into my house to tell Beth about this because she sent me a question mark back. I sent these random letters. She sent a question mark, and I said, I don't know. So I come in to tell her about this. And when I walked in the house, her and the kids were watching The Prince of Egypt. And I was just like, holy smokes. Like, I'm just like, you know, I got this word. And this was like, this was Moses' word. And, and you guys are watching the story of Moses, you know. Like, when I walked in, he was at the, bur- the bush. I'm like, what the heck is this? Like, you can't, like, God, you can't orchestrate that. Like, I'm not making this stuff up. But, you know, those of you that have been in church or even heard of church know who Moses is. Moses is uh, uh, born to a Hebrew family. At the time, the Israelites were growing in, in great numbers, and the Pharaoh, in an effort to try to control that growth, um, they enslaved everybody, and then he issued a decree to kill all the sons. They had a midwife that was present to kill him. Boy was born, he's done. Well, the mother hid Moses. Um, he's the only account that we have of that. I'm sure there were others that attempted to do so, and, and um, she panicked, put him in a basket, sent him down the river where he was scooped up by the Pharaoh's daughter, ultimately raised as an Egyptian. And, you know, there, there came a time and a point where he knew his people and he knew where he was at. And this just caused this tension and this conflict. And, and that just welled up inside of him one day and he lashed out and killed a guy. And, and that, you know, Pharaoh wanted to kill him. Like, hey, you committed murder, you're toast. My family or not. And Moses runs away, finds himself on the backside of a desert, um, long and short of it, shepherding his um, father-in-law's sheep, Jethro's sheep. And, and through that, you know, just laboring and, and following these sheep along and leading them, he come across this bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning. And, and, and that's where we're going to pick up with our scripture. It's Exodus 3, 1 through 6. And I was banking on reading these, but that is small. So uh, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. That's the word Hineni. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals off of your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses fell on his face and was afraid to look at God. And, and that goes on. You know, that's, that's Moses' call. He argued with God for a minute. I know if, I'll, t- I'll tell you the truth. I'm not up here because Jeff's having open heart surgery. Jeff asked me well before he even had his procedures. Um, and when he asked me, I asked if I was allowed to say no. And, and he said no, so I'm here. That's like 
60% truth. Um, but, you know, when Moses got his call, he said, who am I that you would use me? And there was, there was a hesitation to this. Like, he bartered back and forth with God for a little bit. You know, he hesitated with his call. He hesitated with it. Um, but the word he spoke was Hineni. So it didn't matter what was going on here. He knew what he had to do because, you know, his response was, I'm doing what you tell me to do. And then God told him what he was going to do. And he's like, oh, poop, I can't do that. But he didn't waste any time. He immediately went to his father-in-law, Jethro, and said, I need to go free my people. And Jethro said, go on your way. Um, another instance that this happens is with the prophet Isaiah. Um, this is probably one of my favorite scriptures um, and probably also one of the most overused Christian scriptures, but whatever. Um, the prophet Isaiah finds himself in a, in a dream or vision in the throne room of, of God, and God is, is just like, there's nobody around. There's nobody that can do anything. And, and, and Isaiah just feels this big because he knows the sin that he's carrying. And uh, a seraphim flies out and, and, and purifies his mouth with a cool. And, you know, that's a representation of, of Jesus just cleansing him. And then God issues the question of who will go for me? And, and Isaiah's response is, Hineni, I'll go. Send me. And, you know, the, the word that he had after that, what followed, was that you're going to go give a word to the Israelites that your life is going to suck for the foreseeable future because of what you did. And, and it's like Isaiah was given such a hard ministry. And I know if I say yes... And then God says, go do that. I'm going to be like, well, I could probably find someone else that might jump at that opportunity. Scott Ashley would do it. You know? And it's like, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm about something quite that hard, God. Um, and Isaiah's ministry ended. Um, you know, it, it's some theologians think that he's the one referenced in Hebrews 11 of being sawed in half. Like, that's not cool. Had, had he known that at the outset, maybe his response would have been a little different. But, man, like that's, that, that's a tough ministry. Isaiah was given a tough ministry. Moses was given a tough ministry. He had to go lead people that were comfortable being slaves. And not just that, but wander them around in circles for a long time. There's a, uh, a New Testament example. There's other Old Testaments. Like I said, Abraham, there's Jacob, there's Samuel. Um, Samuel's dream, you know, he's getting his name called, and, and he runs to Eli, and he's like, I'm here. And Eli's like, what the heck are you doing? Go back to bed. And, and eventually it clicks with him on, on hearing the Lord's voice. But a New Testament example, Ananias. Um, we know Paul. Paul was a bad dude. Paul was a guy that was justified in his mind to run around and, and, and kill Christians because they weren't living the life that he'd been taught that they should live and they were lifting somebody else up. Um, Paul's on his way to Damascus, finds himself on his backside, blinded. Jesus smacks him off his horse, donkey, and onto his can, and, and um, 
like, look, you need to quit persecuting me. He calls, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And, and he takes himself, and Paul finds himself in a vision in Damascus, and Ananias at the same time finds himself in a vision in Damascus. And we'll just read through this real quick. It's uh, Acts 9, 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Now we're in the Greek, so this isn't hineni. This is um, another word for behold. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight into the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Ananias probably pooped his pants a little bit. And it goes on to, to say just that. He's like, look, God, maybe you got the wrong guy, but uh, Paul's killing people for doing what you're sending me to do. And, and God, you know, but his, his answer was, here I am, not, yeah, that's my name. His, his answer was, Hineni, not Po. And Ananias ultimately goes, he, he doesn't waste any time. He, he kind of argues a little bit, like, maybe you got it wrong, but I'll go. You said go, I'll go. Um, so he went afraid, but he went quickly. And, and ultimately, Ananias changed the history of the world. Ananias went, delivered Paul and, um, through the work of the Holy Spirit, and uh, ultimately changed the course of history. Um, you know, when, when I was studying for this, I, I came across a uh, quote from Reinhard Bonnke. And those of you that know who he is or was, um, he started Christ for the Nations. It is a outreach ministry, mostly focused with Africa. Um, he had a, a vision that um, he would change, like how they were. He was already evangelizing in Africa. He would change how they were evangelizing in Africa. He built this like massive print shop that was just going to run off Bibles and give them to people. And, and he was under the leadership of another ministry of that time. And, and with that, those leaders, like he took this vision to those leaders and they checked it and said, no, you can't do that. You, you have to do what everyone else has been doing and, and what's going on. And then four nights in a row, he had the same dream of making that new print shop and spreading the word in a different way. And, and after that fourth day, like, he's in just such, uh, uh, you know, a hard place and being stretched and, and, like, you know, do I listen to the people that I'm under or do I listen to what I, I believe is the voice of the Lord? And he, he tells his family that I'm going to go up into my bedroom and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray until God gives me an answer. I don't care how long it takes. And he said, I was up there for 15 minutes. So that's, that's cool. I could do that. Um, he, go, he goes up there for 15 minutes, and, and God tells him, if you don't do what I told you to do, I'm going to find somebody else, and you're going to be forgotten for all of history. And that's Reinhard Bonnke. Like, I, I tossed that name out, and a lot of heads did this. So people know who he is. Um, you know, there, there's a, a, a place that 
you know, if God gives you, if God calls you and you say, yes, I'm going to do something, then you can't wait. You can't drag your feet. You can't say, well, you know, Shane's a much better speaker than I am, so why don't you just have him do it? Um, you can't say, well, Scott Ashley serves way better than I do and, and cares about people more than I do, so why don't you just send Scott Ashley? If, if God puts a call on your life, which everybody here has a call, then your job is to say yes to that. Because I really do believe that everybody here has a platform. Everybody here has a ministry. It might not look like this. It might not look like Mark leading on piano. It might not look like serving in children's ministry. Um, it might like, look like going to Walmart and greeting people at the door. You know, it might look like serving kids in a, in a classroom. But I really believe that everybody has their own platform, and I believe that some people may not experience the revelation of Jesus Christ because we will not be effective with our own platforms. If I'm not willing to step out at my workplace, there's people there that aren't going to experience the kingdom of God because I'm being a pansy about it, if I'm allowed to say pansy. Take it up with Mark. You know, we took uh, the youth group to the ramp Ohio, and I think we um, have talked a, a lot about that. But, um, you know, Chosen has this, they have a dance team, it's named Chosen, and they do these skits and different things, and, and, and they're putting drama to songs, and it's just powerful. Like, they're just, like, prophetically declaring words over people. Um, through the art of dance and music, and I'm a sucker for, for music, not so much the dance side, but, um, you know, these skits that they put on are, are just amazing, and they have one um, that uh, they do to this, a song, this wasn't in my notes, this is free, Baptized in Fire. You'd think with a catch-the-fire message, you'd actually talk about fire, huh? But uh, baptized in fire. And, and the lyrics of this song and, and just the way they act this stuff out, like it just pierces the heart of your soul. And it just really challenges you to, to, to like, apply what they're saying. Like they, I, I don't know if they just make this stuff up or, or what, or if they use other people's music or dance choreography. I don't know. It's just really cool. But at the end of it, um, they, they, they roll from that right into um, a skit about a martyr. And, and, you know, Karen Wheaton leads the ramp, and, and, and she was laying some stuff on that just went into um, all these people that have lived this Hineni lifestyle, but they're not recorded in the canon of Scripture. Like, we see a handful of people that have said yes in the Bible. And there are countless thousands or millions of others that have said an equal yes. Um, that, that, you know, we don't even know the ins and outs of the sacrifices and, and, and what's into their stories. And, um, but but they, they really challenged us at the end of the ramp to, to say yes no matter what. 
And, and I've been applying that since March or February, whenever we went. Um, there was a, around the same time of the ramp, there was a couple that uh, started coming to Remnant that, you know, we, Beth and I went over and, and had dinner with them and, and we started hanging out with them a little bit. And they had this like fire in their, in their hearts that like, I thought I was doing good. Like here I am like, man, Bobby's, Bobby's all right. But these guys challenged me. I'm like, what the poop, man? Like, here I am thinking I'm doing okay. And they're like, hey, if we got to sell our house, we'll just sell our house. We'll do whatever God calls. It's like, I'm probably going to draw a line somewhere maybe. But, uh, you know, these guys were just crazy. They, they were diving into um, adoption and fostering and just like they, they were looking at every single aspect of their life. And they're like, if it's not, if God's not in it, I'm cutting it off. So I stole that, and um, I told Beth, I was like, man, there's a lot of things that, that we're in that Jesus isn't in it with us. You know, I, I, coach, I coach soccer, and, um, and I would say, argue that, you know, Dave and I probably put a lot of pride in, in the soccer team and program, and, and, and we spend the better part of five or eight hours a week wrapped up in soccer. Never once have I used as an opportunity to, um, mention the name Jesus, unless we're yelling at one of the kids that always yells Jesus. And we're like, nope, wrong application, kid. Um, but, you know, like, there, there, there were so many things. Like, I was, I was so consumed in work. Work had become an idol in my life. My kids' sports had become an idol in my life to where, like, I wasn't allowing God into those areas. It's like, okay, I have church I have, we have remnant going on. We have people coming to our house that we're ministering to. You know, I, I play drums up here. Um, I'm faithful in that. Um, but there's these other areas to where it's like, no, that's, that's still Bobby's stuff. And, and God really challenged me to put that on the chopping block, to really just look at it, to say that, like, if I'm going to stand here and I'm going to say, here I am, God, use Bobby, then I have to be willing to lay my heart on there and kill it. I have to do as Paul said, to die to myself every day. And, and that's hard. That's very hard to wake up every day and say, you know what, Bobby, you can't, you can't do what Bobby wants to do today. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's Jesus or bust from now on. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, when he, right before he was uh, leaving, he commissioned his disciples. Uh-oh. Uh, we're good. He commissions his disciples and uh, tells them that you will go and make disciples for all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we know that Holy Spirit to present himself in Acts chapter 2 as a mighty wind and a mighty fire. We know that Holy Spirit is the same Spirit of God that led Moses through the desert as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. That pillar of fire came into the upper room in Acts chapter 2, and then it said it divided as tongues of fire, and, and everybody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that fire came on the inside of them. The same fire that was inside of Jesus came on the inside of all 120 in that upper room, and they did miraculous things. They set out from there, and they, they, they founded the church as we know it. And uh, earlier this week, 
I think we were here for, for night watch. Um, I, just, I saw this picture of a fire. And Mark, if you want to come up. I saw this picture of a fire that, uh, just a campfire. And there was some logs that were like sitting beside the fire. There were some logs that were like, you know, half in the fire. They're, they're half ablaze and, and half of them sticking out. And there's the logs that are fully consumed in the fire. And, and I think that's a, a very good picture of the church. Um, we have those that, that we would consider as on fire for God. Those are the logs or the coals that are in the fire. And then we have um, probably where I would lump the greater part of the church or, or even the greater part of, you know, not our church, the, the larger church, um, those that are half in and half out. And then you have those that are just on the outside looking in, you know. God doesn't want you to be halfway in or on the outside looking in. There's this fire, it's the, it's the glory of God that's just echoing through all of eternity that if you guys, oh man, here we go. If you guys would just really grasp, grab that, man. There's a lot of people here today that my family invited. I'll be honest, I'm selfish. So I spent a little bit of time this week praying that everybody was on vacation this week. God didn't answer that prayer. But there's a, there's, there's a fire that's available with the relationship with Jesus that, man, I'm not going to get through this part. There's a lot of people here that know who I am. They know where I was. They know the dumb stuff I did. And, and then there's the rest of the church that knows the dumb stuff that I put my family through. But man, I found something in Jesus. And if you just, if you would just grab a hold of that, It says, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He tells the Pharisees and the Sadducees that he will um, be baptizing with water, but there's one coming after him that's going to be even greater, whose sandals he's not even worthy to untie, but he will baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. And this Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. If you have a right relationship with Jesus, and, and he just comes and he, he, he lives inside of you and just burns up everything, and he causes conviction in your life. And I really think that there's people in here today who, like in the book of Revelation, God's extending a hineni to you. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you would just answer that call, answer that door. He's wanting to put wood back on his fire. He doesn't want you to be on the outside. And he doesn't want you to be lukewarm. 
He doesn't want you half in, half out, kind of rolling around in and out of the fire. There's ones that get all squirrely and, and about burn you when you're sitting beside it. He wants you in that fire fully consumed. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter if you did drugs last night. It doesn't matter if you watched porn this morning. It doesn't matter if you were mean to your spouse this week. All right? The Holy Spirit will convict you of that, and, and you never fall out of a right standing with Jesus Christ. You never fall out of it. I think of the words of Jaira. He says, I am never going to be more loved than I am right now. It says that Jesus, while you were yet a sinner, with a joy set before him, he went to the cross and took a beating for you, died, went to the grave, came back. Also, I can stand here. If it was just for me, he would have done it just for me. Just so I can stand here and tell you guys that there's a fire that's echoing through all of eternity. And there's a torch that you have that you just got to light it. When, when God addressed Moses, he says, look, man, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. And I'm the God of Jacob. He didn't say I'm the God of Israel. He's the God of a broken, broken guy too. Moses, knowing the sin that was of his life, that he killed a guy. Bobby, knowing the sin of his life, I still have to lay it down. I still have to come to the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father God and say, Hineni, here I am, send me use me. Have your way with me. I'm desperate for you. We sang that earlier. I am desperate for you. And I am fixated on this one thing. And I want you guys to be fixated on that one thing. Really just grab a hold of that. There's going to be a ministry team up here that, uh, you know, I really, I, I want you guys to, to step into this. You're not called to be lukewarm Christians. We are not called to be lukewarm Christians. We are called to live a life on fire for God. And, and God's going to start some fires today. He's throwing some wood on the fire. So will you say yes to that fire? I want to pray. If you guys want to come. God, I thank you that you would use a sinner like me Holy Spirit we just ask that you just fall in this place show us the areas that we we're not letting you in show us the areas that we're holding on to for ourselves usher in the question that's been echoing through all of eternity of will you follow me Jesus called his disciples he didn't say this might be a good idea or maybe you should do this he said follow me and the response was immediately drop everything they were doing and go God I just ask that you would just breathe on the coals of the hearts of everybody here and just 
stir up a fire inside of them. Stir up a desire to just get into your word. Stir up a desire to just pursue after you. Father, I just ask for a desperation for a relationship with Jesus Christ. We love you. And this is all for you. In Jesus' name.